After a four-month hiatus, the boys are back in this episode of Mistake by the Take. Unfortunately, Jake and Dylan will be going over the Browns' loss against the Houston Texans, as well as some slight coaching changes in this episode of Mistake by the Take. Is that what I think it is? It is. Episode 29. The long-awaited Jake Volnick, Dylan Feltovich. Mistake by the take. Back in action. Most important question. Felty, how have you been doing for the last, I don't know, what, four months? Hey, enjoying this edition of Mistake by the Take? Never miss an episode by hitting the follow button on the podcast and by dropping a follow on our social medias. That's at Mistake by the Take on Instagram and at MBTTPod on Twitter. Again, at Mistake by the Take on Instagram and at MBTTPod on Twitter. Thanks a lot. And now, back to the show. Oh, over the past four months, I mean, it's been pretty good, you know, been... Living the dream here in our undisclosed location. Always. Um, yeah, today I was pretty pissed off, as usual. But, well, it, was a, it was kind of a big day for us. Yeah. I mean, you know, there, there's no way to be around. Everyone knows. John Carroll students. John Carroll moving conferences, OEC to NCAC. There was a lot of work we had to do with it. It was just Not more that anybody the, here cares. Right. But. It was more of the fact that I just had to do like a bunch of stuff for it. And people just all around pissing me off, as usual. But it makes it better so then, you know, can take out my pain on Jake. Yeah. And start screaming at you. We get to do a whole episode where, you know, we uh, we get to yell about the Browns dropping the Texans 45-14. Of course, plenty to get into before then. I, I think the most important thing before we get there, we got to talk about being gone for a few months, right? Yeah, no, I agree. Like, most importantly, we're back. Yeah, that's that's the most important part of it. Yeah, I mean, so, so going forward, this is going to be what we think now, what, once a week? Yeah, I would say probably once a week for now. We haven't really kind of figured out the details of it. The, the problem was, obviously, you know, we've talked about it before, Jake working for 92.3 The Fan, very busy with that. He's been grinding his butt off over there. And then for me, I mean, I talked about it, I think, on the Teth episode where I wanted to kind of expand my social media presence. I ended up starting to do TikToks now. I know it sounds really weird. and Hey, drop the at. Drop the at. At DYFL, as usual. Yeah, come yeah, on now. Come on. But either way, though, I mean, I, I think we just kind of parted ways there for a little bit just to you know work on our own branding, and obviously school kind of got in the way, too. Yeah, I mean, most of our screaming at this point has been just between each other, mm-hmm. just not with mics in front of our faces. We, right. we, we didn't stop talking. You know, no. There was nothing between us. No, not at all. No, it's just it was we just, both got busy. Yeah. So, you know, we've continued to yell at each other about sports. It's just, unfortunately, all of you guys haven't been able to hear it. Yeah, and it's not like the band broke up or anything like that. Like that was No, the band has still been together, and if you want it to be together, you know, Tuesdays, Streaks Talking Sports, WJCU 88.7. Six to org. seven. Yeah, six to seven every Tuesday. The band has always been together. It's been together for uh, all that time, so we've at least gotten to yell at each other, you know, 
most weeks, once a week for an hour. Yeah. So it's, it's still, you know, the chem- chemistry's gone nowhere. It, this no, isn't going to be an awkward not. work back in. No, not at all. I mean, yeah, we still call each other at least once or twice a week just to yell about anything. Yeah, and the, the constant, you know, tweets sent back and forth, texts yelling at each other. It's normal mm-hmm. stuff. Yep. But uh, like I said, most importantly, uh, the show's back probably once a week uh, here moving forward. So there it is. Wow. Big time. Yep. Mistake by the Takes is not a specialty episode. Nope. The boys are back. Yep. Back in town. Cue the music. Well, we don't necessarily have to cue the music because you know what we are going to cue? For the first time in a long time, we're going to cue Hot Off the Press. All right, buddy. God, I haven't I haven't even heard that one in forever, too. That's wild. Yeah. No, it's a... Uh, Wow, it's been a it's it's been wild to say the least. Yeah, we're we're here now. Yep, we're the hottest action coming off the NFL this week. This is this is all NFL related. Yeah, because I mean, this is an NFL episode. Yeah, and we're you know in the the swing of the NFL playoffs, but uh, just about none of this actually coming from the playoff teams themselves. Because what news comes out about playoff teams? Actually, here we'll start here with the playoff. Uh, most important news. That could possibly drop the Bills signing Hunter Matt Hawk. I mean, Dylan, break down the nuances of this one. What? I I, I mean, he did, he, didn't he play for Cleveland at one point? Yeah, this year, Thursday night. No, this, that was a joke. I mean, who cares? I don't know. Sam Martin I mean, pulled a hamstring. That, that, that's the most interesting thing we we could talk about. <laughs> Listen, I don't want I don't I don't mean to be a dick, but that was kind of funny watching him like it, it, you know that video of like Greg <laughs> little, Jennings yeah the little yeah Greg about, Jennings yeah <laughs> on, a, on a broken leg <laughs> yeah and that's literally where my mind went like right as that was happening and then they had like a camera angle of him just like coming into it just like hobbling I'm like dude you did him <laughs> dirty there but no I mean I, I don't even expect that much punting going on in that game so I quite frankly I don't think it really matters yeah no probably more arm punts than leg punts coming in that one no matter what yeah uh, but let's actually get into it. Former Patriots head coach Bill Belichick concluded his second interview today with the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, crazy news that we didn't even get to break. Bill Belichick fired from the Patriots. Essentially, they parted ways, which basically meant Bill get out. Uh, you know, it, it's uh, Falcons got some guys going there. It's Belichick, Jim Harbaugh, Eagles OC Brian Johnson. They've interviewed all three of those ones. I don't know that I I like Belichick going to Atlanta just based on the roster, but I don't know how much I trust Bill as a head coach anymore. I first off, I definitely don't trust him as a GM. No, obviously not. I think we've determined that one pretty quickly. Yeah, anybody going in there and giving him a GM job would be insane. Yes. I just want to say though, this the interview list that they've had so far is absurd. You got Bill Belichick, Jim Harbaugh, and then just the random oddball of Brian Johnson, the Eagles offensive coordinator. Like, that just makes no sense in my head. I have mixed feelings about Bill Belichick being a head coach. I think it's going to be more determining of who he brings in to control the offense. Because if he actually, you know... Well, no, let me tell you this right now. It should have no impact on Bill Belichick saying who gets to play offensive coordinator. Because if we've learned anything... Bill Belichick cannot pick an offensive coordinator to save his life. No, I'm I'm saying like someone else has to assign it. To right, him. like this should be a GM decision. Like usually, your head coach gets to come and bring coordinators. 
Bill Belichick's going to come in and be like, you know who I want to run this offense, who I think would do a much better job than Arthur Smith did in these last couple years? Matt Patricia. Yeah, no. The defensive mastermind, Matt Patricia, to run the offense. Because then when everyone was, you know, dissing Arthur Smith, especially me, you know, having Bijan and fantasy and just breaking my heart every week, that would just make matters worse. So I think if they're going to have to go with a guy like Belichick, they're going to have to hire the OC. And especially, too, if Brian Johnson somehow on the off-rip gets this job, I, you look at the Eagles right now, I mean, the amount of if, – if Desmond Ritter is the quarterback next year, which he probably won't be. He won't be. <laughs> I mean, the amount of times that that dude's going to be playing out of the gun, it's going to be even worse, in my opinion. I, I'm just I, – I think it's a weird list. I wouldn't mind Harbaugh there, but I don't know. I mean, Belichick, if they get the right offensive coordinator in there, it could be something. Could be interesting. Uh, moving on, Steelers' Mike Tomlin expected to sign the extension, uh, said there's going to be a new offensive coordinator, including, you know – Everyone in the process. Uh, competition in the quarterback room as well. But uh, I, do you like Tomlin sticking in Pittsburgh? I'm Again, I'm, I'm kind of 50-50 on it because you look at Tomlin's resume, he's never had a losing season in, what, like 16 17, years? 17, 17, 17 seasons years with now? the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he has not had a losing season in not one of them. Right. And in a way, you say like he's a pretty successful head coach. And the only thing is, oh, his playoff resume is not that good. Uh, they haven't won a playoff game in what seven years? I yeah, but to to me, the way that he kind of carries this team throughout as much adversity has that they dealt with. I mean, this year was a total debacle, and now that you're maybe getting a new offensive coordinator in there, I wouldn't be too upset if they stuck with him. Because, again, like I think a lot of this has to do with the fact that their quarterback play was abysmal. And also, too, I mean, Matt Canada was one of the worst offensive coordinators I've ever seen. So I, maybe if that kind of changes there, it could be a different story. But, again, I, I mean, it's going to have to see what happens once they try to revolutionize this offense. Yeah, well, how about they go sign a real offensive coordinator? Yeah, no, not, I agree. Not just walk down the hallway and go get the guy at Pitt. No, that, yeah. Like that, what are you doing? I get you offer in the same building. You can't just go sign the guy from Pitt. Clearly, that not working out very well for you. Matt, or Matt Canada, excuse me. Matt Patricia is still on the mind. He sucks too. Matt Canada, not a good offensive coordinator. That was a terrible experiment. Well, and they also did that with their quarterback too. They just looked at Pitt. Yeah, right. And then and just, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Kenny Pickett, that'll work. Yeah, good enough. We've already yeah. seen him before. You think Kenny Pickett was just sitting there going, my God, I just thought I got away from this guy. Yeah, no, I mean, I... <laughs> like, oh. please, I just had to deal with him. Yeah, I, they need to figure that out. Did they out. play together at the same time? Yeah, they did, right? Was Canada there for, for Pickett? I have no clue. Yeah, me either. The only other thing, too, that came out of it, I believe, I'm not 100% sure, but I think they said that they want to keep Mason Rudolph around as well, which I'm okay with that because he's a backup, but at the same time, too... You're going to have to figure out, is that going to be your second or third quarterback? Because Kenny Pickett isn't going to be your one. I I pray to God for Steelers fans that he's not the quarterback of your future because obviously that's gone through crap. But I don't know. I I think that's – it's going to be like, okay, whatever. Uh, He was at Pitt in 2016. Yeah. That's what it looks like. 
not to negate everything that you were just saying, which is actually intelligent work, while I'm just sitting here trying to stare at where he was. He was at Pitt in 2016, won some other places. But side note from that, uh, yeah, no, I hope your quarterback's not Kenny Pickett. I, I would really hope not. Mason Rudolph. I mean, as a Browns fan, yeah. I mean, I uh, Oh, yeah, no, go ahead. Let him hang around there. He's doing right. really good. Uh, Kenny, two gloves, please. But I don't think you can roll with him again, being objective. I'm fine. I'm with you. Keeping Mason Rudolph's whatever. You can't start him. That would be a I agree. Yeah, you, you can't. I mean, everyone, all my Steelers friends that I talk to still, they they still believe in him. They say, oh, you know, Pickett we didn't. Or Rudolph? Pickett. They still like, they're like, ah, he hasn't had a fair opportunity. He hasn't done this, hasn't done that. I'm like, at what point do you say, nah, it ain't it, bro? Yeah, no, I just, I haven't seen anything out of Kenny Pickett besides, like, you know, I haven't seen anything out of Kenny Pickett since college. Yeah, I didn't no, yeah. like him coming out of college. I thought he was a good college quarterback, but I didn't think it was going to translate to the NFL. He had a really nice fake slide. That was cool. Yeah. I love saying Kenny for Heisman. That was fun. Yeah, it was a good little Fun time. little run there, yeah. He's not a good NFL quarterback. No, and the he fact that he was drafted in the first round, that was wild. He was drafted in the first round in a room full of quarterbacks who didn't go until the third. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. and he was... Pretty much in everybody's eyes, not any better than any of those guys. Like, not not that he was worse than them, but he was in the same category. Right. And the Steelers were like nineteenth pick, right? Nineteenth. I think it was either nineteenth or twentieth. Yeah, I think it was the nineteenth. They, they, they like ours. Yeah. But yeah. no, I mean the the fact. I don't know. It, I, it, I don't know. It just makes no sense for me, in my opinion, to be rolling out Kenny Pickett once again when you have a chance to potentially get a new quarterback here, either in the draft or. Even trading for one because I know Justin Fields is probably not going to be the guy there. Yeah, no. And in, in obviously Chicago. Yeah, I mean, speaking of places he could be the guy, Pittsburgh's not terrible. It wouldn't be terrible, no. I wouldn't need it. But uh, it depends on who you get as your offense coordinator. Yeah, speaking of the Bears, by the way, why don't we uh, – we're a little out of order, but yeah, why we'll, we'll go to this one because we mentioned them. Uh, they're interviewing Cliff Kingsbury as their O.C., I was hoping that you would actually go out of order because that's what I was trying to preview there. But, yeah, no, I uh, I have mixed feelings about this. I, I think Cliff, to a degree, is a very intelligent football mind. Um, I think I, he's actually a good offensive coordinator. I I don't think he's terrible. Um, I, don't, I, I didn't like him as a head coach for the Arizona Cardinals, nor would I put my sole trust in this man to run an offense and a football team. But I think if you just give him the role of the offense and put other people around him and he has somebody that he has to answer to, I don't know that it's terrible, but I also don't know that I love him in Chicago either. The The problem for me was I think like guys like Cliff and Lincoln Riley and that kind of, you know, I guess coaching tree, you could say, it works well in college, but I don't know how much it really translates into the NFL. I mean, obviously, the quarterbacks developed throughout that are pretty good. You know, you got Caleb Williams part of that. He's going to be a good quarterback in the NFL, I'm assuming. And then also, too, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, they're still making rumbles in the league, and they're still having starting jobs. But at the same time, too, like, I don't know if that— Winning playoff games. Yeah. Not Kyler. God, not Kyler. I mean, maybe if he actually gets a competent team around him. He looked really good at the end of the year, though. He didn't look bad. Anyways, we'll talk about that at hey, another time. Suck. But anyways, yeah. So, I mean, it's okay. I think, it, again, he's a very smart coach. And he knows what he's talking about schematically. I'm a little iffy on it. But I think this probably is pointing to one thing, and that means that uh, Caleb Williams is probably going to be the first overall pick. 
Does that surprising to you? No, not at all. I mean, I, not that he's going to be the number one pick, but that he'd be the number one pick in Chicago. Yeah, I, I definitely think that they would probably go with him. I, early reviews of scouting, I mean, I think it's up in the air for me with uh, if it's going to be Drake May or Caleb Williams. I'm not 100% sure on who I would go with as my QB1 for now. But, I mean, I don't know. I think it's just going to be one of those things where I guess you're just going to have to really listen to Caleb. Eh, you know, unfortunately. I just... Am I crazy in this thinking, too? Like, is Caleb Williams is overrated, right? I wouldn't say he's overrated. I'm saying overrated in the fact that he's been the surefire number one pick since last year, and everybody's talking about how amazing he is. I just don't know that he's the stud that everyone thinks he is. You pay more attention to college tape than I do. I mean, I've watched multiple Caleb Williams games this year, and just, he's good. I don't think he's bad. He's a first-round quarterback. He's probably going to be... You know, or could be, I shouldn't say probably, but he could be a successful NFL quarterback, and I wouldn't be very surprised by that. I think for me, it's more of right now, I'm when I watched his film, a lot of it had to do with the fact that his offensive line sucked. I mean, that was it was abysmal. And also, too, his wide receivers, you, you want to talk about something where that was a, like nobody talks about. The wide receivers that he had were not good at all. Like, there was no sense of separation whatsoever. They weren't really getting open. I kind of felt bad considering that, like, I mean, he really wasn't working with much there at USC. And I know people say, like, well, he's with Lincoln Riley, you know, and Lincoln Riley's the best and stuff. But to a degree, like, I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that it's just the talent around him was not that good. And that defense, too, sucked. That defense was bad. Yeah, and I mean, I, the amount of freaking screen passes that I have seen him throw, which, I mean, it's absurd to say that. I mean, people are saying that he can't play in a system, which he played perfectly into that system. He threw so many RPOs. He's done so many of that stuff. And then people are like, oh, well, but he's playing out of pocket and stuff like that. That's He's out of the system. It's like, no, he literally has no one to throw it to, so he has to create something. But either way, I digress. Is I just even, get frustrated with... I don't even get why people consider that much of a bad thing. I mean, when it's like Johnny Manziel, yeah, then it's a problem. Like, right, when you cannot completely... you wouldn't. I mean, Manziel did not really run any type of offense. Let's no, he right. just he ran around and then tried to throw the football and somebody got open. Right. That's different. Caleb Williams does not do that in the slightest. Exactly. It, mind-boggling. Last one we got for you, Cowboys. Mark, Mike McCarthy expected to be back in 2024. And for that, Jerry Jones, you're a moron. Yeah. I, mean, I got nothing else. That, that's about it. What, what do we do? Like, And I guess you could say the same thing kind of with the Steelers culture as well, considering they haven't won a game in eight years. So I, I see both sides of it because I'm also a Mike Tomlin. Not, I don't want to call myself a Mike Tomlin fan because I'm a Browns fan, but Mike Tomlin's a good coach. If, if you're going against that, you're actually – then you're the moron. Right. If you got any gripe against Mike Tomlin, I'll actually fight you to the death on that. The dude's a good coach. Mike McCarthy has led this team to, like, three 12-win seasons and then nothing. I think the problem where I look at it is Mike Tomlin makes bad teams good and good teams great. You're staring at a great team right now, and under Mike McCarthy, they're good. Well, and that's the thing, too. I have a lot of issues with the Steelers' offense itself. That defense has been phenomenal, and that's partly due to Mike Tomlin being the head coach there. But then when I look at a team... 
like the Dallas Cowboys, my issue isn't their defense. My issue is the fact that their offense just seems to fold in every situation that is remotely just playoff or a big situation. Like, it's gone. So I don't get this one at all. I don't understand why Mike McCarthy would even be back. I thought that they would honestly go after Bill Belichick with with a lot of the rumors that I've been seeing about it. But I don't know. I, I think that that was just – it's – you're sticking with mediocrity. And again, congrats to the Dallas Cowboys for winning the regular season. Now go try to win a playoff game, please. And also, too, you know what's funny? What do you got? Dak and Baker Mayfield now have the same amount of playoff wins. <sighs> Two. Dude, like, I got nothing for that. That is terrible. Like what? Do, what do the Cowboys do? It, like, like I said, this team is a great team when you look at it on a roster standpoint. They should be. They they should be elite, and even what last year they won a playoff game, correct? They they yeah, sneak by uh, they beat, Tampa Bay. Yeah, they beat the Buccaneers. Yeah, or no, they didn't sneak by. They actually, I think, dismantled they Tampa Bay. But it smoked was smoked them. But then they ended up losing the next round. Yeah, the problem with that game was the fact that uh, whoever the what was it Maher's their kicker or whatever he missed like six extra points in that oh, game or dude, whatever that it was. was. Yeah, it was ridiculous. But like, I'm just absolutely baffled. By what happens on that team. I just don't understand how you go in. This is a game where you're favored. This is a two seed against a seven seed. You're, you're favored by a touchdown. You're playing the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers is not there. Jordan Love looked really good this year. He that's, looked that's incredible. So zero, zero CJ Stroud, and we'll talk about him later. But no, Jordan Love also, yeah, he, he looked phenomenal. He looked really good. But guess what? You're playing a rookie quarterback. With a, And this will be part of my gripe with the Browns, too. We'll get into that soon. You're playing a rookie quarterback. With a lot of rookies and younger wide receivers as well. Like, I can name you as wide receivers, and I'm sure you could name me them as well. I don't think the average NFL fan could name me Dontavian Wicks. No. I don't think the average NFL fan knows Romeo Dobbs, maybe just because he was a fantasy stud there for a couple of weeks. If I called my mom right now and say, tell me any wide receivers that you know on the Packers. Shout out Mama Felt because she know her ball. Exactly. She'd be like, what? Who? What? I don't know. And then you'd be, like, you'd be like, Jaden Reed. And she'd be like, cool. who's Jaden Reed? Also, yeah. he didn't have a catch in that game. Which was absurd. Uh, but no, either way, too, I think also you got to start blaming Dan Quinn as well. I That was atrocious from a defensive perspective. Like You know who's not blaming Dan Quinn? Up. Who? The rest of the NFL, because he's got like seven head coaching interviews. Well, that was before that. Well, he so. still has the interviews. <laughs> Maybe they'd just be like, hey, um, we actually double booked you. We can't really. Uh... Oh, oh, Dan, you're supposed to come in today. I, <sighs> I totally scheduled this big meeting lunch. We can, uh, we can reschedule for next season. Yeah, yeah. No. Anywho, yeah. Welcome back to uh, reality, yeah. Cowboys fans. Yep, Cowboys. Uh, we them boys. We are not them boys. Yeah, the Cowboys cycles like the Baker Mayfield cycle. It yeah. never fails to repeat itself. Nope, never does. Never does. But uh, with that. Hot off the press for the first time in four months concluded. And Dylan, we have to call on one of our good friends. And I'm going to let you do it. I'm going to let you you call on him. I forget. Wait. Oh, oh Lisa. Could you please put out the fire? Great. Now we'll never get the game back. Yeah, we will. The game is coming. You know what I just thought about, though? 
What? The last time I said that, I said the game was coming back, and a lot of people probably thought it was never coming back. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, <laughs> also, too, I almost forgot the name there. Yeah, I saw you. your mind kind of raced. Well, it was like I, I knew it, but at the same time I was second-guessing myself. And, like, you know. I completely, honestly, coming into that segment, forgot we had a bookend to it. Yeah. Like, I, I forgot we had a clip that would play at the end. That, that completely escaped my mind until I looked up on the fine program that we run to play our our sounds and i was yeah. like oh hot off uh hot off the press end yeah i was like yeah that's that's our good friend lisa well and also too we didn't even know what episode we were on <laughs> well that's been how long we should have checked that hey a, that would have been a fun stat everyone uh everyone you know stick around episode 30 coming up next week how fun is that yeah yeah i don't know yeah dylan we've only been doing this for uh for 30 episodes, you know? We've definitely been on pace this whole time. Nobody pay attention. No. It's time to talk about the Browns. The Cleveland Browns, uh, losers in the first round of the playoffs, 45-14 to 14 to the Houston Texans. Yeah. 45-14 to 14 to the Houston Texans. Yep. I... I... I, I, There's nothing else I could really say. How ugly, man! Like it was, it was bad. It was very bad. It was a fun season that ended on a really sour note. Yeah. And okay, before we get into the criticisms and stuff like that, which obviously we will get into, I do have to say this. I think I have to obviously say that the the Houston Texans. Shout out to them. They they have done a phenomenal job. They brought in a very good coach in D'Amico Ryans, and they also brought in a very good offensive coach, offensive coordinator, uh, you know, Bobby Slovic there. He's done a phenomenal job this year. Also probably going to be a head coach. Yes, probably. And then, you know, they hit it out of the park with their first two round picks, you know, C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson. And even then, later picks. And considering that those were our picks – it's things a little, but I do have to give props to this team because, again, like I, I love C.J. Stroud to death. He was one of my favorite quarterbacks that I got to watch throughout Ohio State. And it sucked seeing him do so well against this, but at the same time, at least, you know, I, I still am happy that, you know, he has a chance to keep playing on, too. Let's also make that very clear that neither of the Browns' picks – were actually used to select C.J. Stroud or Will Anderson. Technically, it was used as to part of a trade, up, yeah. pick, which so the Browns would not have ended up with C.J. Stroud or Will Anderson without trading some capital to move up, which right. it wouldn't have happened. And also, too, you got I, I just want to make that clear because right. you know the narrative around Deshaun and everyone saying no, he's a no, bust no, no, and everything agree. else. It's, it's just going to have to put that out there. They technically they did other things to move that. They just used our pick to do it. Yeah, and what's funny too is they used their pick to move up in this year's draft and not ours, and everyone was very critical of them because they're like, oh, well, your pick is going to be more valuable than the Browns, and then it turns out that they actually were 100% correct. That's called betting on yourself. Yeah, no kidding, and they betted on themselves correctly. Yeah, that was a what kind of a ballsy move. It was a ballsy play, but it worked out. I mean... Like you said, give them their credit, give them their flowers. That's an incredible team over there. Yeah. And an incredible team for years to come. And an incredible division, too. I mean, the Colts are just on the same path, and they were, (laughs) unfortunately, they just missed the mark. Dude, how crazy is that? 
Yeah. If, if I would have talked about the AFC South to you preseason, you'd have been like, dude, get out of here. Like, this division's a joke. Mm-hmm. The Tennessee Titans, still a joke. The, the Colts, the Colts have, I mean, Anthony Richardson, sure, they might be building towards something there, and they're not going to be actually good. They're playing in week 18 for a playoff spot. You're like, the Texans, again, probably same thing, right? They're not going to be that great. They might be a little better than the Colts. They might be a little worse than the Colts. They got things to build towards there. They have a bright future, but not this year. Then you're like, this is the Jaguars division. Yeah. I Hot Takes episode, I don't know how back, how far back you got to go to get that one at this point, but Hot Takes episode, I said the Jaguars were losers in the AFC Championship. This team lost. They didn't get into the playoffs. Yep. Dude, they lost, what, five of their last six? Six of their last seven, something like that? It, it was horrible. Yep. It was it was bad. And, you know, obviously, too, I think that kind of really tails into my main takeaway from this game, and that's the fact that if you look at all the games that happened in the wild card series, all of them – the better quarterback won, except for, I would say, one, and that was the Lions versus the Rams. I think Matthew Stafford is better than Jared Goff, and, and, and that was a one-point game there. Yeah, So I, I mean, think that, was, that kind of speaks to it as well, too. I also think both those guys are pretty good. Yeah, no, like, I think they're I good. Think I think Jared Goff's I think, a stud, but he's good. Right, but I think you know Matthew Stafford is better than him, in my opinion. Completely fair. But I think that, that just goes to show you that this league is heading into a – place where if you don't have an elite quarterback you're not going to be able to compete in the playoffs or make a substantial run i just thought about the hot take that you said jordan loves already better than dak prescott I'm when did i say it. that you said the better quarterback won oh yeah yeah, yeah. no 100 percent. jordan love better than dak i mean you didn't say it directly but you just inadvertently said it i mean yeah I, I just thought it was kind of a hot take i'm not even necessarily against it i don't think dak's like a bad quarterback i also don't think he's amazing I was just like, wow, he's just kind there. of bold, kind of bold. I mean, the, his first, like, the first part of that game was atrocious. Oh, no, it was him. bad. And it, the reason why his stats look actually decent is because of the garbage time. I mean, they kind of fought back into that game until they yanked Jordan Love. Yeah, at yeah, one they point did that. they did that. I mean, the did you the his final touchdown that he threw? That was absurd, dude. He's nuts. I, I'm I, like I said, I'm going not with that with take. Yeah. This, this isn't even our, like the, this part of the show. I was just right. like, I was just sitting there and I was like, you're like, yeah, every better quarterback won. I'm like going through it. I was like, yeah, CJ's better than Joe Flacco. Sure, I'll agree with you. Patrick Mahomes better than Tua. Than Tua. Yeah, no problem there. Uh, Josh Allen definitely better than Mason Rudolph. And I was like, Jordan Love better than Dak Prescott. Like, from from that even, game, at least. I don't disagree with it, but I'm just sitting there going. At least from that hmm. game, he was the better quarterback. Oh, 100%. And, and that, that game, goes, the better quarterback. And again, and that goes into probably what we're going to have to talk about first here is the, the Joe Flacco situation. Because, you know, it was great for a while, but everyone kind of sweeped under the, fa- the, sweeped under the rug the fact that he was basically Jameis Winston. Dude, the 30-for-30 season was coming. Just without, you know, Jameis Winston's, you know, how he is, his personality, which I I love to death. I'm not criticizing it. I think he's hilarious. Yeah, they're pretty much completely opposite when you go to that restaurant. 100%. But I'm just saying there was a lot of turnovers and there were a lot of touchdowns. And you got the turnovers in this game. So when you play the style that Jameis Winston plays, the style that, you know, newfound Joe Flacco is playing this season. You put yourself in a weird spot. If you're playing like that and you have an average to below average defense, 
you get what you got with Jameis Winston where people are like, dang, this dude shows some flashes, but I can't keep this guy as my starting quarterback because how am I supposed to function when he's turning the ball over every three seconds? Like, I just don't know what I'm going to get out of the guy, and it's not going to lead me to wins. When you play with a top-level defense that you saw out of the Browns, who one of the better defenses statistically that you're going to see probably in the last decade, you get away with it. Like, you can throw the turnovers because the defense steps up huge when it matters, and you're still putting up a ton of points to go out and back up a really good defense. You, you get away with it. And Joe Flacco did for this regular season. And the thing is, too, it's not just that. It's also making sure you don't put your defense in bad spots because we did do that a couple of times, like especially against the Broncos. That's the first one that comes to my mind where a couple of you know turnovers and stuff like that leads you into great field position for the Broncos to capitalize and the defense can't do anything. And for the longest time this year, it felt like, I mean, we were doing a pretty good job of just getting it done on the defensive end. And the way that you looked at it, this game, like, it was a total letdown. And, you know, I think we'll probably go into the defense a little later. But at the same time, too, like, the offense got to step up. Especially, hey, I mean, especially too, what, uh, with Amari Cooper and what everything that he was saying before the game. And he sets the ra- franchise record right before it or something like that. Like, uh, when he played the Texans. Like, I, it, what? I, I don't get it. It's such a tough look. I'll tell you what Joe Flacco didn't do. He didn't put his defense in a bad spot this game. No, he did. Yeah, no, he threw two pick sixes yeah. and didn't have to put his defense on the field. He just gave him the points instead. Exactly. It's just, you know. That's the other thing, too. Like, the defense, to some degree, wasn't as bad as many as the box score would say. Because, you know, obviously when you look at it, it's... Doesn't look too pretty from a score standpoint. It looks like he got blown out, but 14 of the touchdowns weren't even their fault. Yeah, 14 of the points off the touchdowns, right? Yeah, yeah. 14 of the touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that'd be, uh, that'd be, be insane. The game yeah. was ugly at 45 to 14 at that rate. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Uh, 14 it, of the points. Yeah. You can surrender at that point, right? Like 14 touchdowns. Yeah, you got to throw that white flag out there. <laughs> You've seen the yellow flag. You've seen plenty of those this year. You've seen the red flag. You've seen. Probably plenty of those this year. You haven't seen the white flag, but you would have at that point. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, no, I, dude, I just I don't know. Like Joe, I'm somebody who I stare at turnovers and I'm like, listen, like that's saying something, right? Like in a league where a lot of guys throw passes that should be picked off and they're not, and then you're throwing that many turnovers, it's like, okay, this has got to come back to bite you, right? But it's it's been what we were doing all year long. You're, you're staring at the injuries. You're staring at things like Joe Flacco's doing wrong. You're looking at Jerome Ford not being able to run the ball effectively. And you're just sitting there asking yourself, this can't keep up, right? And it did. We just kept on winning games. So you're going into that playoff game with hope and with confidence. And you probably shouldn't have been. Well, not. I mean, you should be going in with hope. I don't know that. And you should be going in with confidence. You're a fan. You should support your team. They gave you a reason to think that you were going to win. I just think both of those things higher elevated than they should have been. No, and here's the other thing that I think people really didn't talk too much about. The games that Joe Flacco started at Rams versus the Jaguars versus the Bears versus the uh, at Houston and then versus the Jets, and that was it. That was his final one because he didn't play against the Bengals. So obviously 4-1 and one record, it looks pretty good. But at the same time, if you look at the opponents – 
I mean, it's nothing to really, you know, ooh and all about. You think that the Jags defense was atrocious this year. Bears defense, they came along towards the end of the year. They're still not that good. They were looking they were, they were looking pretty, pretty good at the end of the year. After they got Montez Sweat, they looked good. Yeah, but it still wasn't was, anything to rave about, though. That was probably the best defense he faced. And then, now obviously the Texans, that I think that one's a little bit different. There was a couple injuries for both teams and stuff. No Will Anderson, no Jonathan Grenard. Right. So that one plays into a factor. In I the, think two guys in their secondary got hurt in the game. At least one of them ended up staying out. I don't remember names. Forgive me for that. But right, and then also too, you think like the Jets, like that was the the best defense that he technically played and stuff like that. And everyone's like, oh man, like he looked really good in those games and stuff. But when you look at it, it's not incredible. Like it wasn't like he faced these even the amazing defense, team. It's it wasn't Jets that defense, good. It, it was overrated. Like, it wasn't that It great. fell off towards the end of the year in my opinion. It started 100%. out really good. I mean, it shut down any quarterback that it really faced, but at the same time too, like you didn't face that many good defense and then the Rams, the team that you did beat up like did beat up on you, like that was kind of your example. You know, they went out there and they played a ball game against the Lions. If you call go there that way, I mean, they're probably playing. So, I I don't know. I just feel like we hyped up Joe Flacco to a degree, which we shouldn't have. No, we're. I mean, you're right. We were playing bad defenses. And really take a look at it. Really look into these games. I know it's not Joe Flacco versus the other quarterback, right? It's Joe Flacco versus the defense, the other quarterback versus your defense. Sure. But look at the quarterbacks that the Browns are beating at this point, right? Like, you lose to Matthew Stafford. Okay. You... End up beating Trevor Lawrence, which on paper looks like a really good win. Trevor was, Lawrence was banged up going into that game. He was 28 for 50, three touchdowns, three interceptions. Lawrence? Yeah. Yeah. Like, he, he was banged up. You got some major turnovers out of your defense. Uh, Bears, Justin Fields, probably not going to be in Chicago next year. I still have hope. think Justin Fields is a good quarterback. Him and Matt Eberflus and whatever was happening over there with the Bears. Yeah. 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 Field gone, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, Texans, it would have been C.J. Stroud, except he had a concussion, so you beat Case Keenum. Well, like, you yeah, it, it literally was Davis Mills and Case Keenum. That's yeah, Case the, started, and he played so bad that they said, let's go get Davis. Yeah. No, played, no, 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 it was the other way. Davis no, started, I'm pretty no, sure. No, Case Keenum started that game. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. No, it's surprising, but because you look at the numbers, and it looks like, oh, Davis Mills actually looked good, because he did. Yeah. And probably, you know, I'm not saying he should be the starter, of course, over C.J. Stroud, but... Uh, should just be the backup at that point. Yeah, I don't know why you're going with Case Keenum. And then he played the Jets, which, who they even throw? It was Zach Wilson? No, that was Simeon. Was that a Simeon game? Yes, it was Trevor Simeon. Okay, either way, it didn't matter. Whatever quarterback you threw out there, it's god awful. 261 yards, which is kind of incredible. Dude, they were down 20 to 7 after the first quarter. They were down 34 to 17. Joe Flacco was after the first half falling asleep on the bench too. He literally was falling asleep on the bench. Like it was a bad game. Like it didn't matter. Trevor Simeon threw for 261 yards. You want to talk garbage time? Like that game was That is the, the definition of, of yeah, that is the definition of it. Yeah. Like they I mean it wasn't really garbage. It was like towards the second half they were putting up. It, it was bad. Like they they were getting throttled. The, the white flag was up in that game so early. Right. It was horrendous, but I just don't think he's really faced off against anybody like major. He didn't beat any quarterbacks in crazy battles again. Trevor Lawrence, you win it. He was banked up. He played awful. That Jags team has lost all confidence from me. I just don't think there's anything there. Clearly, I mean, their firing coordinators didn't make the playoffs. Like it, 
it was a good win when it happened because they were on a run, and then as soon as they lost that game, they went on a historically bad run. Yeah, and choked away the playoff spot. Mm-hmm. So, wh- how much does that win really say to you? Not that much. I, I just don't know how I feel about Flacco going forward. I clearly is the Browns like throw that narrative away too. He's not going to be the starting quarterback no matter what. Not that anybody wants him there at this point after watching that game. But it, there's no chance he was a starting quarterback at any point in this because you're paying Deshaun Watson some absurd amount of money next year. Right, like, his dead cap hit is ridiculous and that's the question that we were talking about earlier too is like you know should they bring him back i don't even think that should be it it should be does he want to come back does he want to play i i mean he's 39 40 years old like at some point he's gonna want to retire and be officially done like i he's got kids i i mean obviously the experience is fun i get it i think he wants to play but either way, though, I'm just saying, like, does he want to be a backup or opposed to the idea of, hey, I'm just going to sit until the regular season, and if there's a major injury that happens, I can go and take a spot and potentially go back to the playoffs. And if Deshaun, you know, stays healthy, I hope he does, then he's not going to get that opportunity with the Browns. Right, because if you're the Browns, if you sign him to be a backup, like, and a job comes open, and he's like, hey, guys, listen, I know I'm under contract. You could just, like, would you do me a favor and let me walk and go, you know, sign with this team for that job? And hopefully they would. I, I hope they would, but if I'm the Browns, I'm like, listen, Joe, I respect you to the moon. <laughs> you're, right. you're way too good of a quarterback for me to let you go play for somebody else. If they're in the NFC, yeah, sure, maybe. Why not? If you're in the AFC, let alone Lamar the AFC goes North. Down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not playing against Joe Flacco. Right. No, thank you. Uh, I'm not competing against that guy in the playoffs unless I'm in the Super Bowl. Nope, 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 nope. Does too much damage, too much, too many things he can do. I, I don't want to deal with it. I'm right. not letting you go, Joe. Sorry. So at that point, like, yeah, I don't know. It, it does depend if he wants to be a backup. If he does, if he's okay being a backup, sign him. Like you saw what he can do in a stretch of time. Yeah, like, no, I agree. I agree. There'd be no reason to not have him as a backup. Also, the backup on this team should probably be a veteran. Like, yeah, you're you're in win now mode. That tells you that your backup should not be a young gunslinger. I mean, that's why you went out and signed him in the first place, and you didn't try to roll out with DTR. I mean, you did. I'm just saying it was inevitable. It was coming. It was the Joe Flacco switch coming, no matter what was happening with DTR. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, DTR unfortunately got hurt and made that decision much easier and as fast as you needed it to. Right. But. Obviously, you're not going to roll out a quarterback room with DTR and PJ Walker. That's for sure. No. But either way, though, I mean, again, if he wants to come back, great. More than welcome to. I, I don't want the Cleveland media to either to be like, hey, like, you know, is it time to start Joe Flacco if Deshaun Watson's playing like crap? Like, no. And you know stop. they will. You know they would. It's absolute bullshit. And it pisses me off about, you know, any type of media. It's not just Cleveland. It's any sports team where someone's underperforming and the backup look good at one point. Everyone starts this right, and it's like, you know, mathematically, economically, it does not make sense. I, maybe, Those are two things we're not very good at. No. Mathematics it, 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 and con- economics. Considering that I am saying that, too, like, that just says levels. Like, I, it makes sense for the only team that I would say that it could potentially go the other way for is, like, the Broncos, where it's like you're paying Russell Wilson to be that and I could potentially get someone else better. Like, all right, 
let's uh, we'll go we'll, potentially. But either way, though, no. Like <laughs> doesn't I, look I, like they're gonna be paying Russ much longer. Yeah, I'm sh- I'm sure they'll try to get out of that one. It sure looks like it. They benched him for the last couple games of the year. So, do you think he still has his office? <laughs> no, I know for a fact he doesn't have his office. Sean Payton said absolutely not. Yeah, thank God. Yeah, I mean, I don't really care for either of those guys. Like Sean Payton, Russ. Uh, Russ is a goofy dude. Sean Payton seems like he's like fake hard. I want to say fake hard. No? I mean, considering that he was the one that was uh, the targeting guy, right? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, that was Greg Williams, but he was under the Sean Payton staff, yeah. Under the, you know, blow people's heads off, yeah. That was, that was Greg Williams and Sean Payton. Mm. Yeah, you get paid to, to literally, knock someone out. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, man. I don't Sean, think that's fake hard in my opinion. Yeah, it's not, but it's like I don't know. It's maybe, absurd. Maybe he just blows smoke. It's more. Ass. Of, it's just, more of insanity if we're going to be honest with ourselves. Yeah, yeah he's, he's just. I don't care for him over there. We'll see what he can do in the next couple of years. But conversation on the Browns, of course. Uh, yeah, Joe Flacco. Whatever. I don't know. You talked about Amari Cooper there, though, dude. He. You mentioned like he. Over 260 yards receiving, two touchdowns in a game where he's literally goes insane. And then you come into this game, and Amari Cooper goes out and drops the ball. Not quite literally. I don't know that he had a drop in that game, but it, statistically, it was four catches for 59 yards. And I'll be honest, like the numbers there don't even seem that bad. But I was looking at when this game was close. He had, like, I think it was two for 33. I'm like, you can't have two catches, but you need to be the premier threat. And it wasn't even like, oh, you know, Joe's just maybe missing him a couple times. Like, he just wasn't getting targeted. He was getting locked up by Derek Stingley. I think that's part of it. Obviously, uh, Derek Stingley played a very good game. He did. He, I mean, shout out to Derek Stingley, too. That was another early round draft pick by the Texans. He was good. Yeah, he finally is starting to really come around to it. But, you know, I think also, too, schematically, I don't necessarily think that there was a, a good game plan of getting him the ball. I think they were definitely relying more on Njoku. How don't you have a good game plan of getting him the ball? You clearly schemed one up against his defense last time. Right. Like, which is weird. Like, it, you know, I look at it and I say, like, oh, four for 59, that's atrocious. But then I'm like, oh, well, only five targets. And, like, I think it's both hand-in-hand hand of he got locked up and also, too, they weren't giving him any other good opportunities to help him, you know, create that separation away from Derek Stingley to get him more open and stuff. Because the problem that you're going to have to run into is this. When you don't have an established wide receiver two, and you only have a wide receiver one, and I know everyone's like, okay, well, David Njoku and stuff, that's a lot different. Because what I'm talking about is more of the fact that a wide receiver two can take away some of the pressure from the wide receiver one or if anything it could also you could start to direct more of your targets towards your wide receiver one and in this game i mean technically your wide receiver two was david bell which i guess i mean shout out to <laughs> him out. for coming around to this i guess eight catches for 54 he got targeted eight times all of his targets were catches hey so, that's what we said about david bell right i mean he was it, he was supposed to out of college have strong hands and- it was kind of i mean my comp coming out for him not necessarily a hard comp but like Jarvis Landry type role there where it's just like possession wide receiver if you need something and you kind of saw Cedric Tillman play that role a little bit once he was there but unfortunately he was unhealthy for this game I'm pretty sure he was out so 
I don't know. I, I it just makes me feel like it was just a schematical thing of you didn't really help tie it up together. Well, you know what really bothered me? What? I'm perfectly fine with that. If it, if it was schematics, if something had changed from the Texans, right? You were like, you know, the guy went for 265 yards. Like clearly, he knows how to get past this defense. Clearly, he's done it. And if you're like, dang, dude, the Texans really went out and did something different, and it, we just couldn't beat it, I'd be perfectly fine with that. You know what Amari Cooper said after the game? What did he say? Not really. I mean, they really had a similar structure, in my opinion. You know, guys were playing really soft out there. You know, they played better than us. What can I say? Yeah, that, that's something that you cannot say. Like, I get you got outplayed, but he literally sits there and says, yeah, I mean, they pretty much set up in the same structure as they did last time. It wasn't a whole lot of anything different. Then why are you going from 265 yards to 59? You're playing against nearly the same defense. Like, from his position, it's the same exact guys. Like, this defense was much different, right? You're facing off against Will Anderson, Jonathan Grenard. They created a hassle in that game. It didn't change for Amari Cooper. Not much was different going up against that secondary. You, You can't go there. I needed more out of Amari Cooper. And I'll tell you what, I'm going from watching that game going... Right before it, I'm like, you got to lock up Amari Cooper, right? I'm, you got to get him to an extension. It doesn't have to be a four-year or five-year extension, but you got to get him to an extension. You got to get him locked up for the next two, three years past following season. Like, this was his best statistical career, and he did it with five quarter, four quarterbacks. He didn't play in the last game either. Four different quarterbacks. Lock him up. After this game, I'm not saying don't do it, but I'm not as convinced that you should either. I was the one that told you to, like, let's pump the brakes on that idea. Because, like, you I'm, I'm saying it from the sense of where I don't want to sign a guy that's almost 30 years old to a longer extension. I, I want to try to get someone that could, honestly, like a younger wide receiver and draft one at this point, which I'm sure we'll probably get to eventually in one of these episodes. But I don't know. I, I mean, yeah, he would played pretty well this year, but at the same time, too. like Literally best year of his career receiving yards-wise. Right. But at the same time, too, we got, you know, 29 years old. I'm not too convinced that it's going to continue on. And especially, too, it's been spotty in some games as well. It's not like he was just, you know, consistently putting up 100 yards in each game. Like, beginning of the year was shaky. Mid-year kind of got dicey there and stuff. All things considered, though, man, he like, look what he had thrown him the ball. No, I I agree. But I'm just saying, though, we we can't just totally – be all in on saying, like, yeah, got to get him X amount of – because, of two, like, I don't want to overpay for him either. Yeah, I don't know what I'm paying him either. I, I I talked about that. I mean, again, this wasn't – obviously, this podcast has been gone for four months. Like, you guys didn't get to hear it, but me and you, talking personally, I was like, listen, I don't know what the number is to pay him, though. Like, I, I want him extended. I want him on this team for the next few years. I don't know what that number is because, again, he is – he's pushed going to be 30 next year. Like, Another thing, too, is this Deshaun Watson deal is very – back and loaded and might be even more back and loaded they're talking about restructuring this again which to it was the correct thing to do for Andrew Barry because he was going on the idea of going all in right now and if you just push the deal back hopefully you know you get the all the good players now and you get the championship and then you know you deal with the repercussions later down the line when you're trying to rebuild. Exactly. Like the Rams, like, you know, it's like, ah, you know what? We won. It's fine. Whatever. We'll deal with it later. But like now you're looking at it. You didn't get the result that you wanted from it. So now it's going to be a little dicey too. And you don't know if you're going to have the money for Amari Cooper 
later on, considering, I mean, it, I will say this, though. He probably, at that point, he's not going to be really putting up the numbers that you would think that Amari Cooper would, considering that 30s and stuff like that. But still, I, I mean, I don't know. I just get a little hesitant about the Amari Cooper being paid for the future. Yeah, I and maybe this is a, a conversation for a different day, and I'm sure it is. This would probably be a great offseason topic for us. Do you think Amari Cooper is kind of a guy who falls off with age like that? Like, he's not a speed guy. He's not a guy that just burns past people. He's just a really good route runner. Like, it goes away a little bit with age. It's not quite as effective, but also that's not something that just, like, you know, it's it's not athleticism. Route running is a lot of, like, selling stuff, right? Like, I can sell him going one way and then flip on a dime and go the other. That's not something you just necessarily lose with age. Again, that ability to change direction, it, it slows down. I think it's more of the fact that it's really hard to just compete as a wide receiver as you get older. The cornerbacks get better. It depends. They get more physical. You can't just out route anyone and stuff like that. It, it gets. I mean, you see DeAndre Hopkins kind of already starting to get to that point too, where you know maybe he hit his pinnacle as well. Well, he definitely he definitely hit the peak, but uh... I mean, and that's the thing. He's thirty one. <laughs> Will Levis, man. He wasn't terrible. He wasn't terrible. Ryan I mean, they Tannehill. don't have a freaking offensive line. Yeah. <laughs> and here's the other thing too about Tennessee is bad. So here's my here's my thing. Should DeAndre Hopkins be wide receiver one? Is he considered a wide receiver one? Do you think that for the Titans? And should he be considered that? I think he's considered it for the Titans 100%. Should he be there? Yes. Around the league, probably not. The Browns were thinking about signing him as a wide receiver two, basically, right? Bingo. And there's my case in point. What If we pay Mari Cooper this money and stuff like that, what are we going to be considering him I mean, I I don't want to be paying him wide receiver one money when, you know, he's going to be having wide receiver two level production. Yeah, I don't know. I, he hasn't showed any sign of that, but I, I get the concern. Again, I don't think he's signed to like a five-year extension or anything. I think like two, two yeah. or three, you get Again, him for the next like three, four years. And I would love to have him back. It's just a matter of what's that number going to be. Yeah, my problem with it going away is, you know, that's great, but who else do you have to throw him? to? Right. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm, I agree. I haven't seen Cedric Tillman or David Bell step up to be, you know, the guy, and Elijah Moore hasn't done it either. Well, hey, what about David Bell, right? Hey, shout out David Bell, man. I, I just got to say, the last two games, you had Jeff Driscoll throwing the ball in two games ago. Joe Flacco throwing it to him in this one. Listen, uh, the dude went for two touchdowns in Week 18. It's a good thing that all of us had that prop bet down because we all knew David Bell was going for two touchdowns at some point this year. And in this game, we said eight catches, only one for 54 yards. You're averaging seven yards a catch, but that's kind of the wide receiver he is. He secured all eight targets. This is, again, going to be another great offseason conversation. And I don't want to get, like, huge into it today. But, like, before those two games, I'm sitting there thinking, you know, David Bell, another year, doesn't get on the field much. You're probably starting to talk about getting away from this guy. After these two games, he might have secured himself another roster spot coming up. Well, and that's the thing, too. I mean, we talked about this extensively during the offseason. Yeah, I because mean, you guys all remember it. I, I mean, mean, Anthony Watkins Jr., dude, it, the dude blew up, and we were like, yeah, David Bell, are, are we ready to move on from this guy? Right. The, and, the team said, absolutely not. We're keeping David Bell. And here's the, th- here's the crazy part about it. He had 12 targets in the past two games that he played in against the Bengals and the Texans, and he— Secured all 12 of them. Like, there's something to that. Yeah, you know what it probably is? 
the dude has got a little bit of confidence where he actually gets to get on the field and get into a rhythm. Well, and again, his role isn't a big, like, you got to create a big play. No, it's just to get a reception, get the chains to move a little bit, and that's about it. And, like, obviously that's very hard to do in the NFL no matter what. I'm not discrediting that, but I'm saying he's at least accepting his role as, again— Kind of like what we saw from that Jarvis Landry type where it was just— Especially at the end of his run here. Get the ball, maybe it's five, maybe ten yards, and that's fine. And you kind of saw Cedric Tillman take that a little bit, and he was sort of that guy that was starting to step into that, kind of like a Donovan Peoples-Jones to an extent. It, It was just not as much vertical, you saw it. But at the same time, I'm kind of looking at it like that's going to be my only concern about David Bell is, is it going to be Cedric Tillman that's going to overtake that role? Because, again, that, that's why he didn't play. It was because, I mean, that's why Bell got the extended role was because Tillman was, was hurt. So is, is Tillman going to fulfill the role? I don't know. It's probably going to be something that we're going to find out a little bit more. I'll tell you what, man. Just build. Like, I want David Bell to be in that role. He's a smaller guy. He's going to be a guy that's going to run in the slot, you know, great little slant, sit receiver. He's going to catch the ball. You're going to move on. He's reliable. If that's if that were to continue, right? I mean, we weren't sold on David Bell at the beginning of the year. I'm not going to act like I've been on the David Bell train this whole time. Right. But if he's going to keep up like that, especially what we saw in this last game more than that Week 18 game because that was a little bit more of an anomaly with the two touchdowns. Right. I'm perfectly fine as that is my wide receiver three. Like, that's that's trustworthy. Right, if your guy, if your wide receiver three is going out there and securing eight catches, you feel good about that. Yeah, and if he's twelve for twelve on targets to catches, you feel good about that, right? I'd want Cedric Tillman to be more of the step up wide receiver too. What we were hoping Elijah Moore would be this year, what Elijah Moore proved that he absolutely was not this year. Yeah, I, I think. And again, lack of quarterback play. If you bring back Elijah Moore, I'm not mad about it, but definitely don't give me that preseason hype crap that I mean, you gave to me this year. Don't give me that. Well, we we missed on that one. We missed on that one. Probably yeah, because, me a little bit more. And I was high on Elijah Moore too. Yeah. I like the guy. I still don't hate him. And in the preseason, we saw him in an expanded role that we thought would continue on for the rest of the year, but it was just not there, not at all, whatsoever. <laughs> like it was. That might get into something that we talked briefly on at the end of this episode, which is why maybe a few guys lost their jobs here, because uh, who wanted him to run that and then decided no. Right. Uh, is that Stefanski? Is that Alex Van Pelt? Who, Who is that in that offense? And they tried it, and somebody said, we're putting a stop to that one. That's just not going to work. And that was probably Kevin Stefanski. But. Right. And I don't know. I, I think part of the thing is you're going to have to look to see what happens with this wide receiver room in the draft because I'm going to take a wild guess and say that they probably take one in the second round considering that this wide receiver class is one of the best that we've seen in a very long time, and there are going to be dudes that fall into the second round that shouldn't be in the second round in any other year they would be in the first. But I don't know. I I think however that shapes out is going to really determine where David Bell and Cedric Tillman and those guys kind of shake out. I think they'll probably both be on the roster. I don't think there's any disagreement with that. I think it's going to be more of a case of, okay, what's their role going to be moving forward with the team? It's a fair question. I Again, 
I kind of liked what I saw to David Bell the last two weeks. Am I saying that's my wide receiver three going forward? No, I'm not. I, I don't know. And that's the thing too. Like I was very low on Cedric Tillman, and I liked what I saw from him. Yeah, I don't. So think, I don't think at all. He, I don't want to discredit him either in this conversation. I, I don't think he was bad. Both very competent, and they've shown that they could be competent this season. It's just they haven't shown that they're guys that I necessarily trust going forward in like a solidified yeah no I I got to have this guy and also too if you're a if you're the Browns then and you do take a wide receiver in the second round my guess is it would be a speedy guy which I'm fingers crossed I hope it's Jalen Polk the kid from Washington haven't gotten too much into his film but I've seen a little bit of it it's pretty good uh what happens then to a guy like Elijah Moore like, yeah, I mean, you probably see like Marquise Goodwin's either gone or back right. on a really cheap deal. So, I don't know. I it, think the wide receiver room, as we always say, we don't know what's going to happen with it. Yeah. If you go out and get another one, one of those guys also, they might they be They better there. fulfill that role. I swear. I, I'm sick and tired of not having a wide receiver, too, with this team. Anthony Schwartz, David Bell, Cedric Tillman, hit on one! You can't. They can't hit draft wide receivers one. to save them, save their lives. Stop taking Please. them. Please stop taking them in the third round. How about that? Yeah, I mean, take one in the point. second or the fourth. Because my lord, like the third round wide receivers are cursed for us, dude. It was like that uh, that little stretch we went on, and by little I mean like twenty years, uh, where you were taking quarterbacks at twenty second overall, and it just wasn't working. Yeah, I don't know why. They, like, just <laughs> trade back one spot. Like take him at twenty three. It yeah. can be the same guy. Just take him at twenty three. Yeah. Jesus. All right, we've tried to talk more on, on the offense than we needed to. Yeah. Uh, last thing I'd say on them, uh, running backs, good Lord, we were probably talking about this. I don't know what's happening over there. No, you're you're not going – the, the scary part about it is you're probably not going to find a competent running back in this draft. You're, oh, you're not finding one in the draft. I don't even know that there's a free agent that you're going to go out and sign. We can talk about that in a later episode. Yeah, there's a decent amount of guys, but I don't know how. It, it all depends on how Nick Chubb is looking after his injury. Yep, and I don't know how much faith you have in Jerome Ford. Also, clearly not because I mean, yeah, after he was this a fifth year. round pick, man. Like, okay, still he was what he was. He, he was okay. He he showed like he and was I up said and down. That, I said that before. You had to have addressed that. Even in the preseason, you couldn't have just rolled out with Jerome Ford because, I mean, you saw the worst-case scenario happen where he has to step up as the RB1, and he wasn't an RB1 this year. No, absolutely not. Uh, Also, in this game, maybe I'm playing the Protect Joe Flacco game. I I don't know, but there wasn't anything that I hated out of the O-line this game. It was just you have to take into consideration – who your tackles were like dude you jaron christian and james hudson are not good enough to play against will anderson and jonathan grenard that's the fact of it but on the side of the browns there's nothing you could do you had had three tackles injured this year like i would have felt a lot better if uh, any combination of jedrick wills jack conklin and dewan jones were on that field they just weren't it was unfortunate you had backup tackles in they got exploited i'm sorry no i'm i'm not at all blaming the offensive line actually I just want to make sure, extremely clear, Jaron Christian, James Hudson, like, bravo. You, not necessarily for this game, but over the course of the time that they were playing with these injuries, they played their ass off. Like, for the spot that they were in, for where they came from, like, James Hudson was a swing tackle, and I'm pretty sure we ripped Jaron Christian off the Bills practice squad. Those dudes stepped up and played a good job for what they were. It was good enough. And, yeah, and that's the thing, like, when you have a substantial amount of injuries there, to at least get that level of play from your backups, it's 
pretty darn good. Yeah, like those guys will probably – James Hudson I could see sticking around here uh, just because he has the last couple of years, and I know they like him over there. Jaron Christian, if you're not here, you'll probably have played yourself into a backup spot. Oh, exactly. You, you probably won't 100%. be sitting around in a uh, a practice squad no, following I agree. this year. I definitely agree there. So shout out them, but that wraps it up on the offense. Time to talk about the defense. Yeah, that was oof. It, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was, but you know, let's uh, let's bring everybody up the roller coaster, get them to the top, and then we'll drop them straight down into their death. Right. Jeremiah Wusukoromoa. <laughs> Woo! Get that guy an extension. I dude. Wow. <laughs> I went from maybe Amari Cooper should be getting the extension to who get right down under JOK because that guy needs to be signed today. No, dude. I like, he, I don't know why there's not a blank check in front of him. Dude, he is insane. I, that was that was incredible. I will say that. I mean, considering that the whole defense just sucked it up as a whole. Everything looked bad. That was the one shining spot that you were like, okay, well, at least he did well. I mean, he was everywhere on the field. He was blowing up every freaking run it felt like. I mean, I was I was genuinely impressed considering that everything else, again, like you said, just looked bad. And I, I don't know. I mean, at least you have that. Uh, going into this year, too, we were like, Okay, JOK is he's pretty good, but you can't tell me you were sold as JOK as linebacker of the future. You were like, he's good. I'm really hoping he continues to get better, but like, I'm not saying yeah. I'm throwing money at this guy before this season. Considering also too that he is a linebacker, and usually you know you don't really that that position started to become devalued a lot as yeah, well. It's the running back of the defense, right? Dude, you're looking at him. He's not a linebacker. He's, he, he's not like he. He he's one of he's those players. He's a Swiss Army knife. But he's one of those players that just takes a position, and you're going to stick him in there, and that's what you're going to have to call him. But he does so much more. It is JOK is what we all hoped Jabril Peppers was going to be, and not a knock on Jabril Peppers because still a very good player who is also a Swiss Army knife. But he was what we hoped Jabril was actually going to be. Yeah, I would say this though about that comp is Jabril Peppers definitely more of the safety role, yeah. and I think we see a lot of you know. JOK being more in the box and stuff like that and definitely taking more away of the run when I feel like Jabril Peppers is probably a little bit better at the passing aspect of it. Oh, fully agree. I'm but just that's saying... the thing as well, too. You needed a guy like JOK to step up considering how freaking bad your defense was against the run last season. Yeah, and I mean, big shout out to, to Jim Schwartz for improving that. You obviously got guys Shelby Harris, Alvin Tomlinson. I mean, Darius Smith, more of a pass rusher, but he was in on that line. You did what you needed to do. You got a scheme, and now you know JOK is the guy moving forward. I mean, like yeah. in that game, dude, he was everywhere, attacking the ball right at the line. Uh, I think he had one QB hit in this game, and it was by JOK as well. Mm-hmm. Like They devised a plan where they were getting the ball out early. Really good offensive scheme from the Texans. They figured out how to beat the Browns. It worked. But also, like, JOK was the only guy creating any disruption on this defense, and I don't even know what else to say about it. Like, I, this guy literally transcended what we all thought he was going to be somehow, some way. We all knew he was going to be good. It's exactly what you wanted. Like, you drafted the guy to essentially be the Lamar stopper. You didn't know that that was true before this year. It actually was kind of not true. Like, Lamar was still lighting us up. It didn't look quite as good with JOK on the field this year, and... He also is just stopping guys like C.J. Stroud. 
Like, Stroud didn't get to run at all. Short passes where JOK was actually there, stopping those. Run game screens, JOK was in on those. It was the deep ball that was kind of beating you, the intermediate ball that was beating you when you were not by JOK. Right. And so, I don't know. Speaking, we said uh, Jim Schwartz. I don't know, man. Like, it seemed like nothing was changing in this game. Like, there was... And I don't want to steal your thunder because this is 100% your point, but there was a scheme, a clear attack coming out of the pass game from the Texans, and the Browns pretty much said, this is the way we played all year, we ain't going to change it, and that's how you got cooked. Well, and that's the thing, too. You know, especially with the amount of injuries that you had this year, especially with the defense and what you're going into, like the fact that you just stayed in single high and you stuck in man coverage, like, that was kind of absurd for me. And where my grudge is starting to grow a little bit is with the guys like Greg Newsom. Because when you have that type of situation and you stick in man and you are leaving Ronnie Hickman basically on an island, it's like, why are you – you got to have other your quarterbacks step up. And Greg Newsom, he played bad. I mean, Martin Emerson was nothing to rave about either. It was a it was a very, very bad performance. And then you know, considering that you don't make a change at the uh, halftime mark with your defense when you were just getting absolutely torched, like it, I, I'm getting pissed off about that. And also too, like you know, especially since they were going with a lot of plays that were making it that I mean, it was not really a Shanahan thing considering that Bobby's from the Shanahan tree it was a lot of vertical passes that was making Ronnie Hickman decide oh well is it going to be this guy or that guy and when you do have to do that most of the time it's like well I cover one and obviously they're just going to go to the other one and unfortunately it's just like man like that was a thing where I get that you play man a lot but you got to be able to like Say like, listen, we gotta throw in something else here at this point because poor Ronnie Hickman, he's an undrafted free agent. You gotta consider that. I mean, he's yeah. played decent and he's played good for an undrafted free agent, but at the same time, like, dude, he's not gonna be the guy that could really take over for you and really step up. Yeah, and one of the things they utilized really well too was play action, which helps you a lot in that man to man, right? Like, when you're running play action and you're in man to man, if you're responsible for a guy. If you bite on the run, you're kind of toast, right? Right. That's kind of what we saw. I would say more so to Greg Newsom than anybody. He bit on the run a couple of times, which even more so emphasized you said single high. Ronnie Hickman's that guy up top. Well, guess what? If Greg Newsom just took two steps into the run and now he's trailing behind his receiver by three yards, you're really leaving Ronnie Hickman out there. Yeah, and and that's the thing too, especially like with them executing a play action. And, you know, we always hear Jim Schwartz saying, like, I want my guys to be playing with instincts and stuff like that. Like, that's great to an extent, but when your instincts are wrong and you keep biting at a run when it's clearly a pass, like, that's when I start to have the issue. And that became the case in this game. Like, yeah. Also, you had JOK to stop the run. I right. Mean, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, you should have been you backing have up other for the pass. personnel to, like, stop it. As, and, like, I don't know. And all, the other, king, other thing that I was a pretty upset about too was CJ Stroud had a very clean pocket. Don't get me wrong, I think his offensive line is very good. Laramie Tunsil is he's still very good. And the rest of that line 
exceeded expectations. Right. But at the same time, too, like, you got to be able to create some pressure. And there was just none. Again, I said, CJ Stroud getting the ball out really quick on most of those instances, I think, played a big part into that. Right. But even where it was time where it was like, okay, CJ Stroud, you know, a little bit bigger of a drop he gets back. gets a seven step deep. drop back. There's no one around him. He just felt like he had time on those drops back, which, again, props to their O line, but. I need better things out of my defensive line and my pass rushers. Exactly, and that's the thing, too. Like, I don't know if Miles Garrett was hurt going into this game. Yeah, you know. he's been hurt the whole back half of the year. We knew that. Right. It's his uh, shoulder. But we don't know to the extent of how much it is affecting him. Maybe this is the case, or maybe Laramie Tunsil is just doing very good against him. Like, and statistically speaking, I mean, Laramie Tunsil kind of has his number. Yeah, Laramie Tunsil, I think, has been the top-rated tackle since he came into the league against Miles Garrett. That, that not taking into account the fact that, you know, guys are helping him on double teams, chips, right. stuff like that. Which Everybody's again, doing that against Miles. So, like, it's not just Laramie versus Miles, and Laramie's dominating him, but he has been the most successful. But then also, too, you got to give credit to Bobby Slovic then, too, because, I mean, he, he put a very good scheme together. Because, I mean, that's his job. He's going to have to create some type of pass protection for him, and he did a good job. Yeah. Early pass protection, get the ball out early. It's a good recipe to beat the Browns. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, the the Broncos were doing it to us too, right? Like yeah. Russ didn't throw for a lot in that game. That was very different. That was a heavy run game. But that was when the passes were effective. Mm-hmm. The, the, both teams had the recipe to beat us, and it just doesn't surprise me that much. Also, I mean, on the point of Greg Newsom too, like there's games where you just get beat. Like you're a corner. You're, you're playing against probably the hardest position to guard in maybe all sports. Like. A cornerback is a very hard job, probably the second hardest job on a football field like yeah. behind a quarterback. Oh, yeah. like You're having to react to some of the fastest, most talented people in the world. I get it. You're going to have games where you look bad. I think that's just the case here for Greg Newsom. Like, I don't think he's a bad corner. No. I actually really like Greg Newsom. I think he's been immaculate all year. He got beaten this game, and he took it on the chin for the most part. He also took to Twitter after the game and called a Browns fan a peanut head. Kind of funny. I laughed a little bit. Probably not what you should do as an athlete, as attack your own fan base. Probably shouldn't do that. No, I, I, yeah, you definitely. He handled it really well in the post game. You shouldn't hop on Twitter and attack your own fan base. I mean, you saw like the New York Giants situation where Evan Neal and all of that. Like, it doesn't, it never ends up well. Uh, but at the same time, too, you as the fans cannot go and attack your players. It goes both ways. It I goes mean, both ways. Fans are going to be critical, and you get more of a leeway because they're not the professional athlete getting paid millions right. of dollars and being put on a stage. It, the athlete, unfortunately, is under that microscope. You have to be the one to take the high road and in that situation. Again, I laughed. I think it's funny. You probably still shouldn't attack your fan base. Yeah, no, and, and again, fans need to realize that as well, too. Though, And both of them have to take the high road. Yeah, and at the end of the day, Greg Newsom's about our age. Right, which like, is absurd to say. Like, I'd probably call a fan on Twitter a peanut head, too, because I think it's kind of funny. Yeah. Like, you know, it's kind of worth it sometimes. You get a little bit emotional. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I probably have more strength than a lot of the guys that are getting paid millions of dollars in the NFL uh, because we do the media for a job. I might still call a guy peanut head. Yeah. If he's attacking me. I, I might just, you know, suck it up and do it. I, I think it'd be kind of funny, and there's not going to be any real repercussion from it. True. But I don't know. More so on the point of Miles Garrett, too, dude. Like, this wasn't a good Miles game, and it wasn't a good Miles close of the year. He's playing hurt. Like, Miles Garrett, despite not getting more than one sack past Thanksgiving, might be your defensive player of the year. And if you're sitting there looking at this game going, where was Miles? 
I'm with you. Like, I, I struggled to see him in that game. I'm also not sitting here going and, you know, saying the world is ending because Miles Garrett struggled at the back half of this year. Nor should I think you should be. And I think if you are, you need to take a look in the mirror and reevaluate. This guy is as good as it gets as a pass rusher. He's playing injured. He's getting double teamed while playing with one arm. And he was ineffective, but he's also drawing away attention from your other D linemen. I think these are games where you need to see Zadarius Smith step up. You need to see other pass rushers get to the quarterback. If Miles is getting doubled and he's playing on one arm, I need somebody else to be there. That's what Zadarius Smith was there for. Well, and that's the thing, too. That's what you wanted out of Javadion Clowney last year. If yeah. something happens with Miles Garrett, you need him to be able to step up as that edge one. And you need Zadarius Smith to be that edge one. And he wasn't. Not in this game. I, I Again, I think. Even then, like throughout the whole year, like he was a fine edge two. Yeah, I he was good. Think, he was good. I don't think he was like. He won't like, be a Cleveland Brown next year after signing a one-year contract, right? Like, I, I mean, maybe they bring him back if it's a cheap deal. Yeah. But again, like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I, I they doubt it. try to trust in some of the guys that they drafted, or you know, you still have a Conqueror as well too. So, I, I mean, I don't know. I was pretty disappointed in that one. I still think the Miles Garrett thing. I, I'm, I'm not going to go into the idea of whether it was an injury or if it was something else because I truly don't know that and we will never know unless Miles tells us the truth and some of the times like athletes will lie about their health like that's just the nature of the beast but at the same time like you know it it wasn't what we expected Miles Garrett to be and that's what we we didn't see that at the beginning of the year I mean we we saw a lot better version of Miles Garrett so I don't know I, I I just feel like Moving forward, that's just another thing where it's like you got to be able to have some edge step up and at least get to the quarterback when Garrett's just not having his game. Yeah, it just seemed like nobody was right. JOK had the quarterback hit, and that was you look it. At, you look at the Texans. Look at them. Yeah, Will Anderson, Jonathan Grenard. Both they those both guys, could do it. Right there, doing it. Yeah. They did it in that game. They both created pressure. Exactly. So. I don't know. I think moving forward, that's just something that we're probably going to have to talk about more, you know, when we're we're thinking about the future of this team. Yeah, I think Ogbo definitely, you know, probably steps up. And I, I don't think you go back and sign Darius Smith. Maybe you do, but I'm probably going to say he's going to cost too much money for you to reliably go back to him. Well, it's something that we'll be talking about all offseason long. Probably something we'll be talking about on Mistake by the Take occasionally because I'm sure we'll have some uh, – some brown steaks. Sure, we'll have uh, those slow dog days of the summer where we're creating scenarios in our head about the Browns. Yeah, especially with the guards. Yeah, I mean that's just gonna be be ugly. Stephen Vote. Woo! Yay! Uh, I guess we'll talk one more thing. Uh, most recent news coming out of the Browns. Obviously, playoff loss happening almost a week ago at this point. Getting ready to go in the next uh, round, but Browns uh, moving on from some coaches. And before actually we get to this, I do want to. Make you sad one last time. Why not? Uh, and maybe maybe the coach is firing will get you sad, but this will definitely uh, hit the heartstrings. And uh, I think it you know, probably says a lot about the game that Miles played and how he was trying to feel. This is the most painful loss I've had in my career. Absolutely. And this is something I'll use uh, every day until we get back to you know, this point next year where we're going to the playoffs and we're making another run again. And I'm going to continue to motivate the guys and inspire the guys to, to use this to work a little bit harder, I'll train a little bit more, think about what you need to do to get back to this point and never ha- have this feeling again. High road for miles. I mean, you go out, say what you have to say. You know, it's, I don't want to call it podium talk because he was actually very real at the beginning of that. 
and then kind of turned it into, you know, we're going to use this as fuel going forward. And I, I hope he's right. I hope he's serious about that. But uh, it hurts to hear him say most painful loss in his career. I mean, yeah, that's obviously the case when you lose a playoff game that you're expected to win. Yeah, yeah, you're expected to win. It was a game, again, I think you're playing injured and you didn't have much of an impact, which kind of hurts personally. And a game where, you know, a season where you battled so much adversity and it all kind of just, you know, crumbles right there in front of your face when you have high expectations. Right. And again, I'm not looking too heavily into that one. I think that, again, it's just a lot of podium talk in the sense of this one sucks, just got to move on kind of thing. Like every game that you lose in your NFL career sucks like I'm, I'm sorry like there's no nobody's going away from a, a nobody loss likes going like <laughs> losing like that's the thing like obviously it's painful so like that's why i'm not really looking into this one it's just like okay i get it like it sucks like I, I, if i got eliminated from the playoffs yeah i'd be freaking pissed off yeah like i i feel like people are starting making a big deal out of this one like no the dude's just pissed like i i don't know a little upset uh I guess the last thing I'll tell you before we get into these coaches' firings, you should not be going at the end of the season and going, wow, that was that was all for nothing. Like, no, I agree with that one. You, you learned a lot about your coaching staff. You learned a lot about the players that you have on your team. You learned a lot about the front office. And you learned a lot about your head coach. You learned a lot about your GM. These were things that we can take away and move on, build. You, you saw a lot of Browns culture being built. And at the end of the day, you finish at 11-6, and six, and you lost a playoff game with your fourth quarterback. Like, this was not a season where I'm going back and, you know, I'm thinking those 1-15 in 15 seasons where I'm like, all right, well, at least we got the draft, right? That season was basically useless. Like, no, this was – it was a build towards something year, and you should have hope going into next year. You shouldn't take away just being like, hey, we got to nowhere. Like, that's what the Cowboys should be doing. The Cowboys should be looking at that season as a loss. Yeah, because that's what they that, – that's three consecutive seasons of – that yeah. of literally that, like, and you di- and you digressed a little bit too. Like that's the other thing. And if if people were saying that this season was a failure, like there was not at all a the fact that you somehow still won eleven games and got to the playoffs when you with the amount of injuries that you dealt with. I, I don't I don't get this fan base. It's just a bunch of angry fans just yelling. If you categorize the season as a failure, then there was nothing the Browns could have done short of winning the Super Bowl that you would have classified as a success. Yeah. No, I I completely agree. And at that point, you have too high of expectations and you're ridiculous and you need to go back and change those. It's ridiculous. Like, I'm with the the fact that you set goals at the beginning of the year and you don't move the goalposts, right? Like, we were coming in this year, what, we predicted the Browns at, I think I said 10 or 11 wins? We were right on. You you were saying it right there. We were right on. We could have we been expect, less. We were expecting Deshaun Watson to be healthy. We were expecting yeah. Nick Chubb to be healthy. We were expecting our, both of our offensive tackles to be healthy. And we were saying 10 or 11 wins this team gets. Guess what? You lost all those guys. And you exceeded expectations. You hit 11 because wins. Here's the thing, too. What people don't understand with the fan base is this. You have a certain – like, your expectation has to change no matter what. I get it. From the beginning of the year to the end of the year, it has to change because so many different elements can happen within a season, like we just saw with the Browns this year. And so if you went in with the mindset that, okay, we have to have this amount of wins because of this, this, that, and then you kind of stayed with it the whole year, like, that's absurd. My expectations for this year – 
I I wasn't even thinking that we were going to make the playoffs at this point because I mean when Nick Chubb went down and then Sean went down, I remember I was texting you. I'm like, dude, we're we're fucked. Like this is not going to be good for us. Like I, I especially with how the AFC is, I'm not disappointed at all with this season. Yeah, it sucks the way that we lost, but the fact of the matter is like you can't be mad with everything that just went on. There's just there's no way to be upset after an 11-win season when you're playing your fourth quarterback in a playoff game. There's there's no possible way that people are actually walking away from this and, and like, upset. Like, you should be mad about the loss. You should be mad about the individual loss in the game. You got embarrassed. That game sucked. Nobody enjoyed watching it. You hoped to win. You thought you were going to win. Vegas thought you were going to win. You lost. That game sucks. You should be mad about that game. We were mad about that game. We talked here mad about that game, things that went wrong in that game. You shouldn't be mad about the season. No. That, that is absurd. And if you're sitting there and you're the person saying, you know what? That's where Vegas had us, right? Right around 10, 11 wins. So I don't know what, what the big deal is, right? If Vegas knew Joe Flacco was your starting quarterback for five games, I guarantee if Vegas knew Nick Chubb went down, if your offensive tackles were down, this team was getting projected at five wins. And yeah. that might be generous. The, yeah. That's, again, I. The, the I, season I, was a total success. The, the, some fans with the Browns in Cleveland sports in general just need a reality check. Like you, I don't know how a team that has such failures as teams year in and year out can be so miserable and so disappointing sometimes. Like I don't know how they just can't be grateful. In the people will go back to the fact of you know oh well you know we've we've dealt with all the misery for this amount of time and stuff like that. Like no, I know people that like deal with it and still. Consider this season right. This isn't it's not the whole fan base, yeah. right? Yeah, like it, it's not the whole fan base. We're part of the fan base, my, and we're sitting here saying it's a success. My uncle of who has been a season ticket holder, I believe for now fifty years, wasn't completely mad about this season. He understood that, like, hey, everything that transpired, how the hell we still got into the playoffs? Like that's the thing too. And there's fans, even like our age as well, that really haven't even got the full experience of what it was to be a Browns fan. For X amount of time, me, me and you didn't get to feel Art Modell rip away this team. We, we know the history. We don't of it. get to yeah, and we don't get to be that pissed off about it. That's the thing too. Like yeah, we've had the Manziel era. Yeah, we had the Deshaun Kaiser era and all this and that and the Baker, but it wasn't the full extent. Like we don't understand what some of these other fans have gone through, and that's why we're a little bit more appreciative. There's other people out there that they need to shut up about this shit because honestly, it doesn't make any sense. For a team, again, that has quite literally all of their superstars ripped away from them. And then also, too, for this fan base to criticize the head coach and calling for his job. Dude, we were there were people calling for his job by, like, we're talking, like, in week, like, 14. Dude, he has P.J. Walker as his quarterback. In your winning games. You won 11 games with this team. And then I want to go – We can we just go right into this talk about this? Here's the thing. So with the coach firings and stuff, you know, Van Pelt, Stump Mitchell. Yeah, yeah. Offensive coordinator Alex McCartney, Van Pelt, your running back coach, Stump Mitchell, and then it was your tight ends coach, T.C. McCartney. You probably never heard his name and probably never will again. So here's the thing that pisses me off about this. Twitter – was a shit show yesterday when this broke. Dude, they Did were you see the tweet that mind. I tweeted that I retweet the quote retweeted? No, go ahead, lay it on us. Someone now. said that these guys were the scapegoats and the coaching staff that got fired last year, all the coaches last year that got fired, and these guys were the scapegoat for the real issue. 
basically so blaming telling, Kevin Stefanski. So you're you're telling me that Joe Woods was a scapegoat. You got to be shitting me. Hey. Bullshit. <laughs> that hey, guy oh. was atrocious. He could not coach a defense to save his fucking life. Where was he this year? I don't know. I think New Orleans, and I don't think they had a very good defense this year. It was I, that guy should not be considered as a scapegoat. And the Saints thing, defensive coordinator. So the reason why that, like I'm, I'm, and the, the I feel like this was an okay thing that Alex Van Pelt, Stump Mitchell, and T.C. McCartney they all go because Corey on Twitter. I I can I forget his last name, but I mean the dude's probably one of the best Browns media guys on Twitter. You gotta offer in different ideas into the building, and that's what they're trying to do with this. Because if you look at a team like the Ravens, they move off a guy of Greg Roman who helped Lamar Jackson become an MVP in his first season, and people are like, "Oh, you know, Greg Roman, he goes and stuff." And even though he has all this success, well, they get in a new guy, Todd Munkin, and he plays even better. And like different styles have to change up a little bit. Different faces need to come in. New ideas need to start to circle around the organization. And if you get a new offensive coordinator in here. Who's not necessarily going to be calling plays because that's going to be Kevin Stefanski's job. Unless something's changed in there, which it doesn't feel like it is. That doesn't feel like a Stefanski move. No, not at all. You're talking organization. You're just getting new ideas in there. I'm I'm okay with this. You know, Van Pelt wasn't a guy where I was like, man, like he had such an impact on this team. He's the reason why we had 11. No, not at all. You're you're not calling plays. And it's not to say Alex Van Pelt's a bad offensive coordinator either because I, I don't know necessarily that's true. I don't know that he's a bad play caller. He might be a really good play caller. Yeah, it, it might just be a move of like you said. I need something new in the building, right? Like, and that's maybe, what Corey said. Maybe Van Pelt is, you know, maybe his offense is a little outdated for what they want to run. Maybe it's a little differing from Kevin Stefanski as the years go on. Maybe it's none of that. Maybe Alex Van Pelt sat down and talked to the team. He's like, "Listen, guys, I, I want to have play calling duties. Like, I did it if I can't have him, Kevin Stefanski. But then, with all due respect, like maybe we should just, you know, split apart. I'll go do something and." You guys can bring somebody new in who's more okay with this job. I've done it for four years. I can't expand in this role. That that might be the conversation, too. Yeah, like, that, that could definitely be the case. Like, I'm not saying that this is a disrespect Alex Van Pelt move either. This might just be you and AVP being like, it was a good four years, and it, it's time to split. We need Both of us need a change, and that's okay. My thing, then, is uh, the only one that I was kind of a little skeptical about was the Stump Mitchell one. Um obviously running backs coach there. I think to a degree that one had a little bit of validity to it in the sense of your running backs were just abysmal. Now, and there's people out there too, like this is not a fair assessment of Stump Mitchell this season. To a degree? To a degree. You lost your top guy, right? Like any running backs coach would have been sitting there, you know, shitting bricks. No, I I agree. Like I, I just lost one of the top two running backs probably in the NFL, and it's me. I just think there's a little bit more validity than Van Pelt. Right. To, like, yeah. As, as the positions coach, it's not your job just to have the superstar in your position do well because that guy's probably going to do well no matter who's in your job. Yeah. Your your job is to get the guys behind him also following suit. And like I said, I don't think Jerome Ford was downright awful this year. I also don't think he was good at all. Yeah. I think he had some ups and downs with him, and. Hey, you just weren't very confident in it. You didn't go to the run a whole lot this year, and maybe part of that stump Mitchell. I also will mention the fact that Tony Grossi, uh, ESPN Cleveland, did go ahead and tweet out the fact that uh, he was hearing leaks, and I don't know the validity of this, and I don't know, you know, Tony Grossi's not necessarily a beat reporter either. 
So you can take this with as much accuracy as you want. I've heard all day that Stump Mitchell lost his job for being immediately. I know his preseason media appearances were candid and insightful. Godspeed Stump. He's also in the Beard Hall of Fame, which that's definitely a fact. If it's true that he was a media leak, you got to get the guy out of there. And if that's a Kevin Stefanski move, being like, listen, I know now that this guy was a media leak, you know, no BS, get him out. Great move for them. If he wasn't a media leak and Grossi's, you know, blowing shit out his ass right now and just spewing everywhere, then okay, then maybe you still needed to change something because I don't think the running back room is that great this year either. No, I, I agree. I, I don't... And you know what? It does make a lot of sense. I haven't heard a whole lot of Josina Anderson being reported to the fact of the Browns news prior to this, you know, more recently. And if Stump was the media leak, Josina Anderson, maybe that was the connection that they had, right? Maybe maybe Stump was Josina's guy. And that's where she was getting all the information from. It would make a whole lot of sense. And maybe that's not it at all. And again, maybe Grossi's complete lying, but... If that's the truth, then yeah, you got to get Stump out of there. And if not, then you might still got to get Stump out of there because the defense or the running backs were bad. Excuse me. Yeah, I, again, I don't really necessarily know which way it went. Yeah, it, it's it's none of us will. Yeah, they're never going to come out. They're not going to go. Yep, Stump was immediately. You're not going to know that. But I if he was, then good. If not, I don't okay. want to make speculations. Obviously, either of you know this was his thing. Like it, it's just bad. Oh. All around, if you you know blame someone on you take someone's side on this, I just tend to stay away from it. I just think that there's potential validity in the fact that you know the running backs weren't necessarily there, and it was more of a case of you know it was an underperforming year, in my opinion. It was definitely an underperforming. Year. There's no way around that. Yeah. Oh no, no doubt. Not from the running backs. That, that was <laughs> that was underperformance. Yeah. And you had to go in and grab two guys who weren't with you to start the year two. Pierre Strong, who I think looked okay in the yeah. role that he was in. I don't think he looked Didn't terrible. Didn't get much of an expanded role there either. No, and then Kareem Hunt's pretty much down to a short yardage rusher. And that's right. what he is. Like He's going to go and fight for three yards, and if you need three yards, by God, hand it off to Kareem Hunt because he's going to mm-hmm. get you them. But that's he's not going any farther. Yeah, I agree. That's where he is. Whew. That was a good one. 29 episodes now. That was good. 29th episode felt good. We're going to have to get 30 a good idea for that one. I, I got some things brewing in my head. Yeah, I mean, it probably won't. Maybe it'll be Browns related. I don't know. We have no Who plan. Knows? We have no plan. We're, we're terrible. We're here. Absolute terrible hosts. As you could tell. Yeah, I mean, you lose your, your podcast for a few months. Wah, 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 wah. Our bad. Yeah, we don't have that sound effect in there. Uh, I guess, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I got nothing. Uh-huh. I I'm just glad to be back. I definitely am glad to be back. That it's it was good to finally get it back together and stuff. I think you know also too just getting some time to think about you know what we got to do moving forward to really execute this. This that's going to be the plan. I yeah. think so. Yeah. Definitely a lot more thought coming through and what exactly. to do with this stuff. I agree. It's gonna be fun and most importantly, glad to get back to you guys. You know. Exactly. Heard some things about you know some of you not being so happy that you lost the podcast. Yeah, some you know, a lot of fans. I, honestly, like Dylan, I know people were out there listening, but we also didn't know that like you actually were very intent on listening. Yeah, like a, a lot of the people, and you know, let's be frank, a majority of our listeners, not all of them. Shout out to our one who is listening in Europe, who we might have lost at this point. But yeah, man, I don't know. I'm kind of scared now. <laughs> I mean, shout out the fact that they were listening every time. But like realistically, the majority of the people who listen are very close to us. 
And I think it's fair to give them a really close shout out because those were the people we we're hearing from who are like, dang, man, like I actually like the podcast. And yeah. I was actually enjoying listening. I mean, you had friends, I had friends both say the same thing. And it, it was more than, you know, oh, we're just listening because you're a buddy and whatever, you know, give you the view. Maybe I'm not even paying that much attention. No, I mean, like it seemed like they were actually genuinely and they liked it. Yeah. And that's why we wanted to bring it back. So we appreciate you guys. I guess that's what we're trying to say. Yeah. Socials. Socials, uh, do we even remember them? I think yeah, Volnick2. Volnick2 here. On Instagram and Twitter. And then also... Oh, no, no, no. I mean, Oh, well, you're not... Your Instagram... I forget your Instagram. Right. It's at Jake Volnick. At Jake, at Jake Volnick, Volnick on Instagram, at Volnick2 on Twitter. If you want Dylan, are we still... DY, just go DY Felt for both of them. I'll TikTok. stick with that. TikTok, TikTok as well, too. Yeah, follow the TikTok. Follow yep, the TikTok course. at DY Felt. Maybe, uh, maybe with your, your newfound love for TikTok, we can get a little bit of a... Uh, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Mistake by the take TikTok. And I then, know we have an account, but it's not rolling. MBTT Pod on, on Twitter. Twitter. And then Instagram is Mistake by the Take. And then also, too... It's a TikTok. I think it's MBTT Pod. I'm not 100% sure. I'll go and look that. We'll tweet it out or something like that. So make sure you're following. And also, to subscribe wherever you listen to us. Yeah, that's uh, Spotify, Apple Music, whatever. Guys, we're done. Episode 29, a wrap. And we'll be seeing you guys next week. My God, is it good to be back. Deuces. Where you go?